0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Sutras here, still on the road at Salt Lake City Comic-Con. I'm here throughout the weekend. If uh, you are going to Salt Lake City Comic-Con, please look up my table and say hello. I wish I had a table number to give you right now, but uh, I haven't gone to the con yet and gotten my uh, my number assignment. They gave me a, a table last minute because they knew I had copies of uh, No Plan B, The Art of Michael Avon Oming that I wanted to... Uh, Share with people uh, A book that I'm very proud to have co-authored With Mike And it's a wonderful uh, look At Mike's uh, career uh, We do a great autobiographical interview And uh, talk about A lot of his uh, wonderful projects His great collaborations With uh, good friends like David Mack And Brian Bendis They do the forward and the afterward in the book His lovely wife Takisoma uh, So many great people that he's worked with over the years The projects that didn't make it Books like Warren Ellis Uh, he and uh, Warren else were going to do something his collaborations with Mike Mignola uh, so many wonderful amazing people Adam Hughes who knew Adam Hughes was such an important part of uh, giving us the art of Mike Oming but very early in his career uh well before Powers, well before any of his, his big stuff. Adam Hughes was the guy that kind of helped uh, Mike get started in his comic book career. The story is in No Plan B, The Art of Michael Avon Oming. It's on sale now from Dark Horse. And if you're at the Salt Lake City Comic Con, I've got a few copies that I've got uh, at, a, at a great price. I don't mean to uh, you know hawk, but here I am uh, hawking my wares. And uh, I'm very excited to share that with you. And uh, I'm very proud of the book. So uh, please uh, support the book. And uh, I think you're going to find a really interesting story because Mike's story of what he had to go through to get to his comic book career is pretty inspirational. And uh, I'm very pleased to help him bring that story to light in No Plan B, The Art of Michael Avon Oming from Dark Horse. Today, right now, we're talking with Chip Zdarsky. I love this guy. I've loved this guy ever since uh, Mad Fraction introduced me to him. And I really got to know him over the last couple of years. You know, on an acquaintance level. But Chip's terrific. He's such a good guy, and and I'm really excited for all of his success, not only on his uh, creator-owned books uh, like Sex Criminals, which certainly is among the topics we're going to be talking about today, but also his wonderful work at Archie with Jughead. We get into that. We get into his eh, semi-controversial but welcomed take on Jughead and and, uh, deciding that Jughead is an asexual person and uh, the the wonderful uh, feedback that uh, Chip has gotten for that. Also, while we talk about his great Marvel work, it's a good Marvel legacy conversation because, uh, well, not only is he doing amazing work on Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man, but it's already been announced that Chip is going to be doing the return of Marvel 2-in-1 featuring the Thing and the Human Torch uh, and uh, their search for the other uh, half of the Fantastic Four. I think that's going to be really neat, and certainly Victor Von Doom is going to figure into that. And uh, just like our other interview with Greg Pak that I just released today, uh, this is a great chance to really have some great nerd conversations with Chip about the Marvel Universe and his participation in it. He's also part of the Harley Quinn anniversary issue that came out last week or two weeks ago. He and Joe Quinones, his old Howard the Duck uh, collaborator, did a very cute uh, eight-page story about uh, the Joker and Harley that I think is fantastic. And uh, it's just a good uh, chance to get inside uh, Chip's head. Chip's always very candid with me, and I appreciate that. He's, he's, a, he's a deep thinker and a very funny guy, so it's great to have him on today's Word Balloon. It's brought to you by the League of Word Balloon. Listeners, thank you, League, for your support. Uh, I'm here in Salt Lake City, and uh, being able to, uh, you know, go on a couple other conventions this year, like uh, New York coming up in two weeks. Uh, because of uh, your help So thank you very much If uh, you want to subscribe to Word, Word Balloon, You can do that through Patreon If you go to the front page of WordBalloon.com You can click on the Patreon ad And that will take you directly to my Patreon page Or you can go to Patreon.com slash WordBalloon Is Word Balloon worth uh, the price of a comic book each month? I kind of think it is I think, uh, you know, I give you hours of uh, great conversation And great insight in what's going on in these creators' heads and I've uh, got some more great stuff coming up in September and October. Uh, an embarrassment of riches in terms of the conversations coming your way here at Word Balloon. Word Balloon's free; it'll always be free. But if you want to help the cause and think you can, go to Patreon.com/slash Word Balloon. Thank you very much, League of Word Balloon listeners. Word Balloon is also brought to you by In Stock Trades at InStockTrades.com, where you can get collections like uh, Volume Four of uh, Jason Aaron's wonderful run. On Dr. Strange. This is Mr. Misery. This uh, collects Dr. Strange 17 through 20 and the annual. Irving Frazier is uh, among the artists as well as Chris Pachalo and uh, Kevin Nolan. Uh, this book is 42% off, $14.49. You can get Moon Knight, Volume 3, Jeff Lemire and Greg Smallwood and Jordy Belair. Holy cow. You know, I'm so happy for Greg Smallwood. We haven't had him on the podcast yet, but he's a hell of an artist and uh, of course Jeff just kicking ass on everything he touches and and I really do think it's amazing the uh, what he's able to bring to mainstream comics and also what he does with his creator-owned books as well just, and this is a classic example of this Volume 3 of Moon Knight Birth and Death 112 pages 42% off it's $9.27 you can also get we talked to him earlier this week Declan Shalvey uh, we, I, I can't Praise Savage Town, his excellent book with Philip Barrett. Enough, it's so great. And uh, Phil's got an amazing uh indie style. This is a classic Irish crime comic in the same light as movies like The General and uh, The Boxer and Veronica Guerin. If you like Irish crime, you are going to love Savage Town. You know, if you like street crime, you're gonna love Savage Town. It's a great book, 144 pages, uh, from image. And I'm uh, really excited that In Stock Trades is uh, not only promoting it, but giving it to you at a great price. 42% off, $9.85 from InStockTrades.com. Check it out now. Go there. You'll find great books at great prices. And don't forget, if your orders are $50 or more, you receive free shipping from InStockTrades.com. All right. It's uh, time to talk sex criminals with the wonderful artist Chip Zdarsky. We also get into a lot of his Marvel work and his Archie work. And it's a lot of fun as far as conversations go. Here's Chip Zadarsky now on Word Balloon. All right, I usually do more of a warm up, but this guy, you know, he comes to play. It's Chip Zadarsky, everybody. It's uh, welcome back, Bud, to Word Balloon. I'm really glad to have you back. I come to play, and I play to come. (laughs) Appropriate for (laughs) for volume four of uh, Sex Criminals coming out later this month. Uh, Two weeks away, I believe. Yeah. Is it or is yeah? That's right. It's not. It's not this coming Wednesday. It's the following Wednesday. Wednesday after.
1: Yeah. Excellent.
0: Fantastic!
1: It really sneaks up on you when you put out one a year.
0: You know, honestly, I wanted to ask um, because I, you know you guys are busy and everything. Yeah. But uh, the funny is still there, and uh, the the following seems to still be there. Tell me, you know, really has this impacted sales in any way, or are the Legion still following? Uh, you know, dick in hand.
1: Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll kind of find out with this volume, I suppose. Um, the plan was basically to get. All the issues done for this arc before we solicited them, you know. Okay. Um, just because you know, it, it takes us a while to do the book. It takes me, you know, around two months to draw, a color, letter an issue. Yeah. Um, yeah. But what I what I what we both found with this arc was the delay um, hurt us uh, in terms of just kind of like the mojo of producing the book because without a book coming out you don't have any feedback you're just like you're making a thing like you know doing like four or five issues without releasing any of them is uh, is a hard thing to do and um, the extra time just meant we just went over things like too much like really? yeah like issue 16 like usually with an issue um, I find we have like maybe two or three drafts okay like kind of go throughs uh, once it's done to change things some art some dialogue and stuff before we send it to the printer and um, let me just check right now. It's like issue sixteen. The uh, let's see here, sixteen. Okay, there are eight versions of issue sixteen. <laughs> Why <laughs> so many it rewrites So much time because we looked at it. We're like, okay, you know, we can move this around, change this, and then when we we're because I was well into seventeen, so then you know you realize you're doing something in seventeen, which means you should go back and change this thing in sixteen, like. You know, it's, it's helpful in some ways because you can kind of like look at the whole arc and figure it out. But, you know, instead of taking two months an issue, it would take us three months an issue. Wow. And then there wouldn't be the, the, the impetus for Matt to deliver the script, um, you know, right when I'm done an issue. Cause you know, we have time, we're thinking about it, we're talking about it. Sure. And so, you know, in some cases it'd be like two or three weeks to get a script after I'm done. Um, so just kind of added to the schedule. So that's why it took so long and uh you know with this volume we've kind of we've turned it around because um Matt just like went full steam ahead. He's like within like a month, two months he wrote four issues. Wow. Um and so now I I I have them. You know, I'm just all I'm waiting on is issue 25 and I'm done issue 21 and diving into 22 tomorrow. So um yeah, hopefully that, that speeds things up a bit. I know we're soliciting again for January. I kind of want to solicit every two months, but um, it looks like it's going to be coming out monthly again in January.
0: Fantastic. That's great, man. Well, like, you know, I don't think we ever did talk about how you guys plot and then you draw or whatever. I mean, is that is that the thing? Do you guys kind of do the arc yeah. and, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, take us behind the in there.
1: Well, it changes over time. Like when we first started doing it, uh, before issue one, like it was tons of back and forth, um, like just like a dozen like late night phone calls, just kind of like talking about sex, our sexual histories, you know, the histories of people we know, like um, and and then talking character and talking storyline, and because we didn't know what issue one was at that time, right? You're trying to you're trying to figure it out. We would solicited it as dick jokes but as we were working on it 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 became not that or became that plus you know some more (laughs) so um i i found like the first arc um we probably had more back and forth before matt would write the script and i would do the art okay Um, now it's a bit more kind of easy and casual like sometimes matt will give me a phone call before he starts in on the script to kind of tell me what he's thinking and i'll give him feedback um and now it's mostly – he'll just send the script and I'll – if I have notes on that, I'll give them to him. But uh, I don't show him artwork until we're done. Really? Like until it's lettered and colored. I don't show him anything. That's crazy. I like the surprise of it for him the same way I like being surprised with the script because uh, I add all the jokes and stuff. and Sure. Um, you know, I, I – yeah, it's. I think it's both of our favorite moments during the process is when issue's done, and Matt gets to see it for the first time, and uh, I get to uh, experience his uh, his reaction.
0: So no final pass, like does Matt I mean, tweak after after finally seeing the art, or, or art is done, we're ready to go.
1: I mean, dialogue gets tweaked a lot after that point. Okay, um, like because Matt. The thing with writing is, you write, you deliver, and then you go away from it for a while. So Matt will be like, you know, a month or two months without even considering that issue. Sure. And so when it shows up again, you know, he's he can sometimes be surprised by what he's written and go back and change it, or see the facial expressions that I've got going on and realize, you know, to he he should tweak the dialogue or get rid of the dialogue. Um, yeah, you know, there've been some scenes that like ended up being almost plot style where I'd like kind of. He wouldn't have the dialogue quite yet for, it, and he wanted to see what I would draw, and then he'd go back and, and and dialogue it after. Makes sense. And there'll be it'll be once in a while there'll be like an art change, which is definitely a pain in the ass, sure. but it's caused by me, by going straight to final. So it's a you know fully colored page, and we need to like move a character here or there or change a thing. It's like oh shit. Okay, all right. Are, uh, are you doing everything digitally, or I mean, you know, how are yeah. how are you drawing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, when we started the book, that was my switch to all digital. I bought okay. the, I bought the Cintiq, the display tablet, and because sure. um, the process before just there's so many steps, and this just eliminates all of them, which is just awesome. But yeah, I mean, it's just Matt and I. Really, like I've got a uh, a woman who does like color flatting for us who doesn't necessarily want to be named, um, <laughs> <laughs> which I found out after I was naming her. In the book, I was like, "Oh, I'm such a great guy! Look at me!" Um, Matt and I are giving like credit to the color flatter, and then I hear from the color flatter. She's like, "Yeah, I don't, um, I don't necessarily want my name in the book called Sex Criminals." So I'm like, "Oh, okay, I see how it is." Um, but besides her, and you know, we have uh, a friend who's the editor and does like kind of the pass on it with edits and managing editor. Like, it's just Matt and I on it, so which is also why it takes so long
0: you know in this in this current environment because obviously everybody knew what this was from day one, but it sound you know sometimes the the comic reading uh readership gets a little you know feisty and on both sides really so are you guys experiencing any sort of pushback on this in any way on
1: on the content yeah no Go no ahead. i mean it all it all happened at comic. the beginning right like um with the apple uh ban. That was the big yes. thing. Yes indeed, and I remember that. That's right. Okay. You know, there will be stores that won't carry it sure. for content. Or if they do, it's like kind of order only. But um but like the, the the current market, the kind of like you know, people upset over what's happening in individual comics, um for the most part, that's kind of contained to the corporate books. Yeah, the big two. Okay. Because they're they're characters that people are invested in already. Right, sacred cows. That, How dare you? Yeah, that have, have yeah. gone through you know dozens, if not hundreds, of creators. So that's that would be where the problems lie. But like with our book, if you didn't like it, you just wouldn't buy it. Sure. But if you don't like what's happening in Batman, but you right. love Batman you'll be angry at what's happening in Batman of course. Of course. while still buying it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Yeah. I find with sex criminals, like you're either on board or you're not on board. It's That's like, cool. it's like, it's like, it's like any kind of book you'd find in a bookstore. There's, there's not a lot of people kind of complaining about all the books in the bookstore.
0: It's the, it, but again, the, the readership is staying, you know, true. Have the numbers stayed the same? Uh, have they do, are you still guys, are you guys still getting new readers
1: at this? Point? Um, I mean, we we get new readers on the trades. We don't sure. get new readers on the single issues. Like every convention we do, people are just like, "Oh, I just found out about this." I'm like, "That's that's amazing." But on single issues, my assumption is it goes down. And if I'm being honest, I have not looked at the numbers since issue 16. Okay. Um, I know I probably should, but at some at some point, I was just kind of like, you know, I used to fixate on them. Like every month, I'd you know break it down like. People were ordering the variant covers and the regular covers and, you know, the kind of the natural attrition and figuring out yeah. wh- where you're losing people. But um at some point, I'm just like, well, I'm going to be working on this regardless and I'm not going to change the content at this point Uh so we just kind of do it. I don't know if Matt looks at the numbers. I don't think he does either. Okay. I think we just kinda of put it out and we get a check, you know, three months later and we're like, Oh, hey, okay. And you kind of know from the check, I guess, how it's doing. Okay. But um but yeah, I don't uh I'm not i am not not super concerned with it. The you know, the the nice thing about this book and most of image books really is the um the shelf life is the thing on the shelf, which is the trades. Absolutely. So you know, we'll you know, we'll we'll make money off the trades years beyond um when the single issues are done. But and am, am I wrong? Have you guys
0: collected letter pages or not? I know I think we talked about that uh no, when we're we were in did, Cincinnati.
1: Yeah, we did uh just the tips, which yes, was yes. all the, the sex tips plus more. <laughs> but it's it's such a weird thing. You know, I was talking about this the other day with um uh a couple of comic writers and one of them was uh was brubaker okay you know he's talking about his books he's like you know talking about we're we're kind of talking about bookstore numbers and how do you increase sales in bookstores right and, you know i'm just like well you know your books belong in like like if there's a noir section it belongs in the noir section you know or just general fiction like it's weird to have um ed and sean's uh books next kind to of, archie yeah and, and and the funny thing is the uh Just the Tips, which isn't even a comic. Right. It's just a collection of sex (laughs) tips and doodles, sits right next to Justice League. (laughs) Like, we'll start with Just, which is crazy. That's so fucking bonkers. That's awesome. (laughs) Like, in what world do those books, uh, should they be together? Like, the people who buy Justice League or are selling Justice League – wouldn't want it next to our filth book and I don't want our filth book next to justice league. (laughs) Like it doesn't make sense. So
0: (laughs) I understand, you know, honestly, and I have this conversation and I'm glad to bring up Ed because criminals, a a classic example of that. Um, the back matter, I know it, it's what makes the individual issues, you know, different and, and unique and, you know, but, but there is so much good stuff in there and it, and, and it, and it doesn't make the trades, does it for your guys? Uh,
1: thing. No, I think it's I think it's a special thing for individual issues. Yeah, like it makes sense because it's like going issue to issue. Like there's a conversation happening in there. And if you collected that all and put it in the trade, it wouldn't feel as natural. And it would just seem really long as well. Um, I guess. I, yeah, because it you know, like eight pages of letters in the uh, individ- in each right, issue.
0: Right, but but you know, I I do feel bad for people that are just like reading the trades if they're like missing out because it really is part of like the community you guys have built. And I really do love the fact that a lot of contributors are as funny as you guys are, which I'm sure delights you. Whoa, 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 whoa! I'm whoa. Not saying they're not whoa. making any money. What are you saying? <laughs> You're still getting free free labor from them. <laughs> so there's yeah, that. No, it's
1: it's. it's as part of the experience of the monthly comic, I think. Like, you know, growing up, you know, that's that was my thing. I love the letters pages. And Absolutely. I think it suits that format better than it would suit the trade. And it would be weird, like, in yes. 20 years, somebody buying the first trade of sex criminals and, like, the back is all, like, letters? People were writing to that? Because they would have no concept of individual issues. I suppose. Like, you, yeah. Can you imagine reading like, you know, you pick up like a Stephen King novel and at the back of the Stephen King novel, there's a bunch of people writing in talking yeah. about the Stephen King novel?
0: Well, that's true. But <laughs> comics really are as much as uh, part of the reader, you know, the readership community. Yeah. It, it, it is. It's part of the experience. And, and I understand. And you're right. And I do think it's interesting that not just uh, back matter from image books, but, you know, a lot of companies are kind of going back. I just talked to Shelley Bond with Black Crown. She's, yeah. like, very adamant about, oh, no, we're bringing back letters pages and everything. And, and you know, again, it's yeah. it's community. And it was, you know, the Internet before the Internet in a lot of ways in terms of just building these little, you know, fan clubs and everything and everybody being hit yeah. to the secret handshake and, and the jokes and everything. So
1: Yeah, know. they're awesome. And, and like, I, like I say, it's like a continuing thing. It's a thing that, like, goes month to month. The collections, I don't we, – we do different things in the collections, too. There's stuff in the collections you don't get in the single issues. Sure, sure.
0: How was Rose so, City? I'm always – when you guys are together, and it was so great to experience this, honestly, at Cincinnati, and I was really glad that we were able to record it. And, and, I mean, really, it really was like a happening in a way that other comic panels aren't.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's – you know, it's one of those things like whenever I'm at a show with Matt and we have like a sex criminals panel – I'm always like, oh, maybe this is it. This is where the wheels come off. <laughs> like, as I was, I remember as I was walking to the room where the panel was, because I, was, um, I wasn't late, but I was like a couple of minutes behind. And okay. uh, I'm, I'm walking towards the room. I know Matt's already there on stage. And all I heard was quiet as I walked up to the door. And I'm like, oh, fuck, this is it. There's going to be like two people there. And I walked in. It was a full house. Sure, it was. Like, it was this pack, but they were all pretending to be quiet um, to chastise me for being late because Matt <laughs> told me to do that. <laughs> that's great so it's it's awesome like yeah uh yeah Rose city was a lot of fun doing the shows with matt is always a blast and yeah it's it's good we got we're doing columbus cxc in like next week and i turn around and go to new york i turn around and i go to the lakes festival so it's Little nuts.
0: Well, I hope to see you in New York, but when I do see you at an artist alley and stuff, mostly I see the top of your head because you're busy sketching. Sure, it, which is oh, awesome yeah. because you're there for the fans, and it is. It's always either that or like hopefully like we running into each other in the hall, and
1: yeah, we might be yeah. walking in the same direction for five minutes or something <laughs> like that. But no, like yeah, that's the one thing about the artist alley. Like I love it because um, you know the sketches I do are just dirt cheap and you know kind of fun dumb head sketches and um so that means like i'm constantly busy there's always people kind of waiting because i do them while the person's there i don't like to take commissions and creates the illusion that i'm popular which is also the best part (laughs) because (laughs) you have people waiting in front of you i was like "Ooh, who's this big shot now i'm just a guy who's slowly doing sketches for people (laughs) for 20 bucks that's awesome man no, and it's cool.
0: that you, you keep them reasonable and and stuff too, so people really appreciate that. Now I should ask because obviously you're doing a hell of a lot of writing lately as well. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, and I'm thrilled, man, because it's great and it's great to see. I mean, it was fun with Jughead, absolutely, and oh, also thanks. as you as you seep into the the Marvel world as well. But uh, so and a friend is like, you should ask him, and it's great because it's an outside conference. he's like, well, you should ask him. What does he like better? Does he like writing or, or drawing better? And I'm like, that's such a hack question, but here I am asking it.
1: <laughs> um writing. Okay. Only because um it's easier? Sure, sure. Like it takes so much less time. Like um sure, provided sure. provided you're on a bit of a roll, you know, you can get a script in decent shape in, you know, two, three work days, maybe four work days. Sure. Um whereas, you know, seven weeks to draw and colour an issue of sex criminals is like it's a long time to sit with the same characters, drawing them over and over again. There's a repetition there that um, sure. don't uh, you don't get that feeling as much when you're writing. Bef- so yeah, Bef- for sure.
0: Before, before we leave the sex criminals world, I always ask the image guys, um, book people who have you know created their own books through Image and stuff. Is there um, an endpoint? Like, do you guys know where you're going as far yes. as the story and everything?
1: Okay, yeah. and an issue number. Do you, like we have know. you
0: divulged said issue number or
1: no? Um, it's yeah, you don't want to, but if no, you want to. we we have. Um, like look, look, I know we've done it before in like interviews or in panels, um, so yeah, it, it's like thirty-one is kind of the number. Oh wow, so we're close. Yeah, we're 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 close. So it's like, I mean, close. We're two-thirds of the way there. Yeah, So take another year and a half, two years to to wrap it up. <laughs> you know how it goes well yeah but again i think it's it's you know honestly man like
0: planetary or some of these other special books and stuff like that i know people are you know it's worth the wait and again you guys do put so much in not just the story but the back matter and everything so you know i think people i think people are cool with that and also that's great to hear because i do that's my question now my stock question for all the image guys like i do i think it's great and you do deserve to do several trades to, yeah. to keep the interest and also keep the sales going <coughs> and give people a full, mm-hmm. a full meal of a story. But also yeah. too, it's, you know, sometimes it's okay. We've been going for like 40 issues or 50 issues. It's like, you know, is there, you know, where are we going here
1: with this? Yeah. We kind of hit a point where, you know, the first, after the first three issues, the roadmap was gone. Like, because <laughs> we didn't, we didn't know that we'd last that long. Um, and so really, it
0: was that it was really yeah, like yeah. you thought maybe three issues and like, all right, nobody's digging this. Goodbye.
1: Well, like when we were when we were talking on the phone before issue one came out and I was working on issue two or three at the time, Matt said to me, he's like, you know, this is probably only going to last three issues. Right. <laughs> like just to prepare me, because like, you know, maybe I thought this was going to be my big break or something. And sure. I was like, no, no, I, I get it. Like we had so many things going against us. Right. On it. um. Because we solicited it as, like I said, like a, a dick joke book. Right. Like the original right. solicitation copy was just like abhorrent. Like it was just like Your rat and chip are coming along just to fuck things up. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Um, the book was called Sex Criminals, which turned off a ton of people, like right off the bat. Like I, I was getting messages from people like, how could I ever pick up a book called Sex Criminals? I'm like, OK, you know, I get that too. But then when we like finished issue one, we realized, oh, no, it's. Not like the solicitation at all. It's like kind of about like sex and sexuality and romance. But nobody who read that solicitation or saw the title um, would want that if they were buying it. So we were worried that the people that were going to buy it are people we weren't going to want. And the people that wouldn't buy it are the people that we would want. So we're just going to make zero sales. So, you know, after it took off, like – um, we started to have more conversations about how, what we can do. And we kind of, we came up with an end point early on, like okay. within the first arc, we kind of knew how it should end. Um, but then we were like, well, let's just play with it and have fun until we figure out how to get there. And so I think what happened was after the first couple of volumes, um, you know, Matt is so adept at, um, creating new characters, um, that you love. So he just started doing that. Like we would introduce all these new characters and even ones that we thought would just kind of last for a little bit. You know, we'd bring back and have romantic entanglements. And at some point I was kind of looking at it and I was like, whew, like we've got a lot of characters on the board right now. It's like the X-Men of sex. Like You kind of have to – you know what? You don't want to be Chris Claremont in like 1988 or whatever and like dangle all these plot threads and don't have resolutions. Sure. You know, you know, the, the, Matt has said before that, like, I'm sure he got someone else, but, um, that, you know, corporate comics are a continual second act.
0: Right, right.
1: And it felt like we were in the second act that was kind of continuing along that line. And so I I had a talk with Matt and I was like, we should t- talk about where the end point is. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. I'm listening. I heard, a, I heard a, a Skype bubble. Oh, no, no, no. We're still here. All good. Um... Yeah, and so I was like, "We we need to figure out an endpoint." And Matt was Matt agreed, and we kind of we sat down and um, talked through some of the ideas he had, and uh, I had some ideas. And um, by Heroes Con, he basically had the map all the way to the end. Okay. And so, and so we've just been following that. Like, so we know, and we have enough time, you know, to have like another ten, eleven issues. Um, that gives you enough time to actually have satisfaction for all the characters sure
0: okay it, now um when the itunes ban happened did
1: yeah. did that concern you guys in terms of oh we're not going to be around here for very long um no it bolstered us like i think at that point we were just like we had something to fight against which sure. was kind of nice and also um you know we were counting on the digital side of things early on, Mm -hmm. because we knew certain shops in the States would not carry the book. So we wanted to make sure everyone had access to it. And then the opposite happened, where all of a sudden, nobody could get digital access to the books, at least not easily. Right. Um, And so more people bought the physical copies. That's awesome. That's amazing. And And then (laughs) eventually, like... Because of like comicsology selling to Amazon or whatever, and wanting to get around Apple's rules, like everyone ended up in the same boat we were, which was you couldn't, you can't buy them directly on the iPad. You have to like buy them on the website and then have them transferred to the iPad.
0: Crazy, that's crazy.
1: So yeah, so it, it, you know it, it worked out well, and like like I said, it gave us a cause. It gave us kind of a reason, um, a reason beyond you know just the fun of making the comic and the readers like to kind of do what we were doing. And, and see where we can push it. So, yeah, like, man, the first, like, five, six months of this book were just crazy because, like, so many things happened that um, helped us and kind of propelled us and um, emboldened us to kind of keep doing what we were doing. Did the Time Magazine
0: thing happen in that for, during that first arc?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it, it so. happened. Okay. Yeah, because it happened, you know, it was, like, year-end. Right. The book came out in September, so there was, like, four issues out when it was Comic of the Year. Awesome. And then, um, yeah, that happened. And then, um, you know, the trade came out pretty quickly after that. And then it was like number one New York Times best-selling dick joke book. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and Matt and I were just like, wow, "This is bonkers!" <laughs> like every day was just like a weird new thing. And- like I, I remember very clearly, like almost every day, some weird new piece of news would show up. And I'd just be like, "What? Like, what's happening? Like, I still had a full-time job. Like, I was kind of, I was doing that that whole year. Newspaper so was, stuff, right? Yeah. So it was just like a real whirlwind, tiring year. Crazy.
0: <laughs> and and is are there you know is there TV or movie interest in this?
1: Um, oh yeah, there was tons. I like, would think so. Like especially you know kind of hot out of the gate. I think we had like it was something like twenty or thirty kind of requests from production companies. Wow. Um, and you know Matt's uh, Matt's agents, lawyers, like um, they handled all of it, which um, eventually secured the Universal deal um, that him and Kelly Sue have. Yeah, okay. They 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 write pilots and develop things, and part of that deal was that Universal gets the Sex Criminals rights. And um, when are you talking to Matt? You're talking to Matt tomorrow? Uh, Tuesday, two days from Tuesday. Me. Okay. Well, I'll. I don't know how much I can divulge. I respect that. I understand. On Friday, some big stuff happened, and hey, that's great. Um, and but I can't, gonna, yeah, no, no, I have no idea. No, no, what I he understand.
0: We, we live in an NDA world, and 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 that's I I understand that, and that's okay. I didn't
1: sign shit. I don't know what Matt signed. I didn't sign shit, so I could tell you. <laughs> I choose not to tell you. <laughs> we
0: don't want yeah, I don't, we don't want to upset
1: the, the ship coming in, dude. No, this is, the, yeah. that's great. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things, I have no idea how these things ultimately work. Like, there was a big announcement, you know, a couple years ago when the Universal deal was made. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I kind of sat quiet about it until that was actually announced. And then now I'm faced with a similar thing where I'm like, okay, I know what's happening, but uh, do I wait? Like, who who lets me know what I can say? so? Well, don't,
0: yeah. well, don't worry, I won't release this until uh, I talk to Matt. And if, uh, yeah, yeah, if, yeah. If, I mean, yeah. If, if we're if we're if we're walking in a minefield right now, we'll uh,
1: we'll. No, no, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Matt's more in control of it. That's the only reason I, I want to leave that to him. No problem, man. <clears throat> yeah, that's awesome. That's great, man. And I'm so glad that it really
0: did open more doors for your writing to start to happen and everything. And then you know, nice validation this uh, summer in San Diego with the Eisners for Jughead. That's great.
1: And your uh, yeah. your statement yeah. was
0: <laughs> well received and well read. <laughs>
1: good so. yeah i mean that was you know i i didn't go because i've been traveling a lot and um you know I'd, I'd done the eisners before matt and i got best new series when we were there uh after the first year and um so yeah so i I kind of passed on it but knowing that ryan and erica and derek were going to be there and accepting it like i was like okay oh, it's in good hands and then when it was happening i was in bed i was just kind of watching on my phone as like you know the announcements are being made and, like, the photos are, like, I got a little teary-eyed seeing, like, my buddies up on stage. Like, it was such a great feeling. That's awesome. Did- Especially for Erica because that was, that was her first Eisner. She got her second Eisner later on that night for Squirrel Girl. But, like, I know she's, she's you know, kind of dreamed of that and, um, you know, watching her accept that on behalf of us was just so awesome.
0: That's fantastic. Were you yeah. able
1: to, were they streaming it live or were you watching like Twitter and, and Facebook? Uh, yeah, just, just, just Twitter posts. So that's great. the Twitter posts and the photos of them. And, um, yeah, yeah, it was just, it was, uh, pretty, pretty great. Cause I love that book. Like Jughead was so much fun. And, yeah, man. You know, Eric and I did six together and she stuck around longer than she thought she would. I think she was only going to do three. And then, you know, I stuck around for a couple more to help them out and, um, worked with Derek, who was awesome, and then suggested Ryan take over, and he took over, and he's amazing. And uh, yeah, yeah, that was so fun. What do you, what do you think of uh, Riverdale? I only watched the first episode. I got like a little sneak peek, okay, um, before it came out. And as I was watching, I was like, you know, this is the kind of show that like I would totally watch if I was sick, <laughs> like in bed like sick. A- yeah, yeah, like, that kind of thing, because I kind of know, like, if I kind of kept going with it, I'd kind of get hooked, and I'd want to watch them over and over, like, back to back. Like, it's, it felt like that kind of show. Oh, yeah. It's pretty funny. It is pretty so, funny. So I've, I've kind of avoided it. Like, for that, and, you know, there's a few other reasons, but, um, you know, you don't want to be the guy who's written Jughead to have to give his opinion on Riverdale, you know?
0: Well, I understand that, too, because they, <laughs> they did take the character in a slightly different direction than than what you that. what you guys introduced in terms of you know Jughead's sexuality I'm shrugging right now saying yeah that, you know
1: yeah it's it and that's that's part of it too because like I recognize that there's a lot of readers and viewers that were wildly disappointed that they didn't go that route um, and uh, and. You know, just in kind of solidarity, I'm just like, I'm not really watching the show.
0: Okay. No, I understand. You know, help help the old guy out, Matt, be- or uh, Chip, I apologize, but <laughs> who am I talking to right now? But uh, who are you? You guys are interchangeable. No, no, no. Um, honestly, I, uh, because I'm, you know, I don't know. I, 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 I appreciate what you were introducing with Jughead, but also I just know guys that in high school were like, kind of like, you know, I'm just doing my own thing. I don't even want to think about girls right now. Yeah, then for sure. And college came and they discovered their, their oh, look.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's been portrayed a bunch of ways over yeah. the years. Like um, as maybe developing later, like you're kind of talking about um, possibly gay, as possibly some people gay, would, would, would see. Matt,
0: um, or rather uh, Ed's uh, criminal.
1: That yeah, exactly. Truly,
0: I love that story. I think it's a fantastic yeah. story, man. And it's, um, and it's absolutely people, valid to, yeah. to, you know, yeah, to go that way with Jughead or, or a lot of different ways.
1: So. Yeah, for sure. And like, and you know, some people just would see him as a straight up misogynist based on a lot of the old, uh, the old stories. And for me, it was it was one of those things where I'd actually met a ton of asexual readers okay. through sex criminals. And cause they would, they would come up to the table at shows and they would say, and almost all of them would, would phrase it this way. They'd be like, you know, um, even though I'm asexual, I enjoy sex criminals. I'm like, well, you know, it's for, it's for everyone. So you know, asexual or not, that's that's great. Cool. Um, but you know, Matt and I were kind of experiencing that at the same time. And then Matt, Matt wrote the character of Alex in Sex Criminals, mm-hmm. who's asexual, and I was working on Jughead. And I was just like, you know, not even knowing that Matt was doing that, I was kind of looking at him. I was like, you know what, like, there's the idea of him being asexual just kind of made sense to me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, why not? Why not just go with it? Like, like there, there are no asexual characters in popular culture, but there are a ton of asexual readers. Um, So I, you know, I, I did it and Archie was totally fine with it. And I told them, you know, let's not make this a, you know, very special issue sure. Uh, sure. because I, I know the tendency for companies, especially a company like Archie is to like, you know, push the promo aspect of it. Like Archie's been murdered or Kevin Keller's gay. It's right. like, you know, right. becomes a big thing in the media. And I'm like, you know, let's just do it like it's a normal thing. Cause it is a normal thing. I'm under- so let's still, not, yeah. let's not treat it uh, otherwise. And they were totally cool with that. And it came out and kind of, you know, it stayed under the radar for a bit. And then like asexual readers noticed and then, you know, it kind of took off from there. And now it shows like there's so many people come up to me that, uh, Like every show, multiple times, asexual readers like thanking me for it. That's cool. Which is, which is, you know, I don't, yeah, I'm wildly uncomfortable being thanked for something like that because it's not like I didn't do it as, like, I don't know, like, look at me, I'm doing this thing for people. Like, it just made sense for me for the character. Um, And there have been a few people that have said that they didn't realize there was a word for it. Interesting. Until they read that. Wow. Saw it pop up like on Tumblr, or whatever, and then sought the issue out. Um, that already identified with the character. That's really so cool. people yeah. like a, a, asexual readers would identify with Junkhead, no matter how you view the character, because his traits would lend themselves to to them, right?
0: No, that makes makes perfect sense. That's really cool, and no, and I, and I also love the fact that Archie, which was as in my childhood, and and certainly. My, my early adulthood was, was seen as such a conservative company back in the day, yeah. and it's really great that uh, John uh, has has kind of, like, done the 180 and been like, no, Archie's for everybody.
1: Well, they also – I think they realized with um, Afterlife with Archie that um, you can do so much with these characters. Absolutely. Like, they don't have to just be, like, like the kind of repeating right. universe that they, they find themselves in. Um, and, and, you know, out of all the comic companies, they've really lashed onto the idea of like, oh sure, why not Archie versus predator or, yeah. you know, shark NATO or, you know, the Ramones meet Archie or a universe where he marries Betty or like, cause you could do whatever you want. DC has got a, a, a bit of a line on that too. Like they're, you know, they, they'll take chances once in a while with like Elseworlds book or True. Dark Knight, you know, stuff like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, and I agree with you, man. Sean, Sean Murphy's new book, like, the things that do, are just outside of what they're, you know, kind of the hardcore continuity stuff. And when when death of,
0: when Life with Archie, uh, with, you know, mm-hmm. one track being Marrying Betty and the other track being Veronica, and all the yeah. different little soap opera points that they put in there, God, Miss Grundy dying. Yeah. you know mr weatherby you know and miss Grundy oh. finally getting together and then she dies or oh, poor cheryl blossom getting cancer yeah i'm like yeah i'm like i cannot believe life with archie is literally one of my, like my absolute go-to books every month and i had not yeah. read archie consistently since i was probably 12 years old so it really yeah. was this like thrill of <laughs> like wow and and truly yeah the the directions they've gone are amazing and i've seen <laughs> uh you know um Gay people come in and, and really like, hey man, I hear about Kevin Keller. Please let me you know where is it and seeing that happen at uh, Art and
1: Franco's comic store, for example. Yeah, in, in yeah, Stoke of course.
0: So yeah, no, that's that's really
1: cool. So and they've they've I'm done right. it again with the Riverdale show. Yeah, man. Because the Riverdale show is you know very CW oh, Twin yeah. Peaksy, <laughs> You know, uh, hyper sexed. Which is like how I re- I re- I knew before even that show came out like there was no way they would they would go for Jughead as asexual because every teen on that show needed to have sex yeah like it's just, it's in the <laughs> DNA of what they're what they're attempting of to course. do with that but yeah so you know they're 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 taking the chances and they're doing different things and. Yeah, Did you, good for them. You know, I wish they'd they'd do different things once in a while, but sure.
0: Well, you know, and and we'll we'll see how things develop. I mean, they had an interesting season one. Things can change. I mean, you know, attitudes and characters can change. They might discover them. You know, these guys, these guys and women, might discover themselves in a different orientation uh, when they really look at themselves. Who knows? I think it'd be amazing if they
1: all realized they were asexual. <laughs> Every character, like over the course of season two, every every episode, they're just like, you know what? I don't know. This doesn't feel like it's for me. <laughs> I think that's that's the way they should go. You're killing me.
0: That's fantastic. <laughs> um, did you have to talk to like? Did you have to? Was Roberto? Because isn't Roberto kind of not only the guy behind River Riverdale, but also kind of guiding the comic line as well? Yeah. So, did you have to um, talk to him about it or anything, or just
1: you know? No, I've only ever talked to him at conventions when we're on a panel. Um, I think during that period, especially, like he was working on Riverdale. Like, I think he was like he probably had less to do with the comics during the period when I was doing the comics okay. because he was busy kind of developing that show from the ground up sure. before they even started filming. So, yeah, there was, no, there was no crossover with us, but, like, I'm I'm assuming that they, you know, ran it by him and John. Um, and Mike, obviously, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, Mike was my point guy. Like That's I'd, cool. I, Mike is great. I, I dealt with him all the time. I
0: like Mike a lot. I really got to hang out with him two San Diegos ago. And, yeah, he's Yeah, a funny kid. guy and really great stories and stuff and, yeah. you know, like, went to the Cupert school. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, just like just an intern that, you know, kinda worked his way up in Archie. Yeah, man. No, it's pretty <laughs> He's neat. President of Archie.
0: That's pretty cool. Absolutely. Wow. So, yeah. um well moving on to Marvel, you know, I mean right. Howard the Duck was first.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I was contacted by Will Moss for that. Um, because Will bought a copy of Monster Cops for me at San Diego Fantastic. in like two thousand and two. Wow. And so he, he knew that I could tell a story. Um Instead of just uh, illustrate a story, right? So I think I think that was, and he was like, you know, he got some heat from Sex Criminals, so um, one thing led to another, and I did a, a tiny thing for him, a little gag strip for an anthology, and then pitched on Howard when he asked me to, and yeah, next thing you know, how many issues of Howard? Because you know, renumbering confuses me. Uh, with the renumbering, we did sixteen. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, and then and we left. Like it wasn't even like. The sales were tanking, and they had to pull the plug. Like Joe and I, Joe again, like similar to Eric on on Jughead, Joe was only going to do a certain number of issues when he signed up. But you know, he was having fun. I was having fun, and um, but by issue sixteen, with only you know one in artist, Kevin McGuire, in issue seven, which is also awesome. I was going
0: to say that doesn't suck.
1: Yeah, man, Jesus, unbelievable. And so that means Joe drew like fifteen issues of it which is a a long stretch for an artist and you know he was getting tired um I had an end point for the story and so I was like well okay we'll just work towards that like you know I've I've kind of had like I've had the idea for like the whole thing the whole time and so I mean we could have kind of started from scratch after the ending um and done you know the next volume or whatever but uh, it felt like a good time to be like, all right, let's wrap it up as, uh, on a high note. Well, w- what we felt was a high note anyways. Sure. It, it could- but I massively regret it. Really? <laughs> yeah. The further away I get from the book, and every time I see Joe at a show, I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, I miss doing that book so much. And there's a bunch of reasons why One, Joe, he's the best. Two, nobody gave a shit because it's Howard the right? Duck. Absolutely. So you can do whatever you want. Yes. Like It was amazing. Once in a while, you get a note, and you're like, "Okay, yeah, uh, all right, we can't have him murder Aunt May or whatever," and then you 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 go on with it. I got to work with Joe again on the Harley Quinn. Story I was going to bring that show. up.
0: Nice reunion, absolutely, man. Great little. Was it eight pages? Yeah, a little eight pager. Yeah, Hilarious. first DC work. And you know, honestly, I'm so glad that one of you posted the art uh, from, oh, yeah. from the from the from the first page and all those great Easter eggs of uh, the Joker and. Uh,
1: various uh, little uh, trinkets of his uh, career. and so, Joe, I, I don't even think I put any of them in the script. Maybe I put one of them in, two of them, and I just said to Joe, Joe, I know you can do a deep dive on this stuff, so just go nuts. <laughs> like Especially like 89 Batman, Michael Keaton stuff. Yes, like,
0: love that Joker, the girls.
1: Yeah, he posts about that all the time. So when the, the uh, yeah, I love that Joker girl showed up, I almost died laughing.
0: Absolutely, man. And uh, Jesus, the Jack, I'm looking at the page right now, the Joker, uh, the surfboard from uh, Batman 66, yeah. uh, third season. And, and, and yeah, yeah, both yeah. Looking fantastic in bathing suits. Uh, <laughs> both he and Batman. But yeah, the jackets from uh, Batman 89. Yeah. Great yeah. stuff, man. I'm look- like I said, I'm looking at it right now. It's Bat- Bird Psychology is the name of
1: the yeah. story. And- we, only had, we only had one joke cut from it. Like, uh, I think there were like three kind of main edits on the story. And I knew there was one gag I had in there that was not going to work. Um, but I tried it anyways, which was because the whole storyline's about the Joker wanting to put all of Gotham to sleep. And so, I, in my script, I had him um, dress like Morpheus, because <laughs> he's you know he's pale and skinny. So I just sure. had his like hair. I wanted his hair all teased out, his green hair like Morpheus, and like wearing this purple flowing robe, and you know talking in the white on purple speech balloons. And uh, the editor, you know, rightly, Chris Conroy was like. I'm yeah. uh, very funny, but um, no, nah, I'm sorry. If you yeah, yeah, he didn't say that, but I'm, I'm assuming it would just add another uh, layer of hassle. Sure,
0: and for, yeah, people who, uh, the uninitiated and maybe three people listening that don't know what we're talking about, Neil Gaiman's yeah. Sandman, Morpheus, yeah. which which really, got it, and that's something you never really think of, but yeah, Joker could totally cosplay as Morpheus, that
1: would be Yeah, great. 100%, 100%. Yeah, I, I love that gag so much. That's awesome, was, man. a little sad to see it go, but. Um, yeah, they were great to work with. I loved I loved that uh, that story, and it went pretty smoothly. And Joe knocked it out of the park. Well, I hope you guys come get back
0: together again on on a series down the road. Oh yeah, no, we talk about it all the time. That'd be great. No, you guys oh, yeah. are a great team, absolutely, man. So, and and they've collected your sixteen issues of Howard, haven't they, or have they not? Yeah, there's three trades. Right, but uh, yeah, there's oh, so First, there's not one big, you know, it's not enough like an omnibus per se, but like a nice deluxe hardcover that has everything.
1: I don't know if there's enough money to be made to make it an omnibus, really. Okay. Yeah. I, I get like it. I mean, I, I I love it, and like you know, it's still the book that like I think most people come up to me about besides Sex Criminals at shows. Cool. Because yeah, I think it was a I think it was a fun book, but um, but it's still Howard the Duck. It's it's hard to like justify. All right, let's do the deluxe version of Howard the Duck, not by Steve Gerber. <laughs>
0: well, and that's honestly what I was going <laughs> to
1: say is tough nut to crack, man.
0: I mean, it was yeah. such a Gerber book, and it really did seem like, you know, thank God uh, that beyond even the original run, when Gerber would come back to it and stuff, that's where the magic was
1: yeah. with the character. Yeah, you no, guys it's... did
0: great. Seriously, man. No, you guys did fantastic with it.
1: Oh Thanks, yeah. It's, you know, I think the key was to make it different enough from that version Certainly. while retaining just enough of the spirit um, because you can't um, imitate Gerber. Yeah. That's disrespectful, you know. Well, and, in a way, I mean, it's all disrespectful. I'm just going to come say that everything about uh, doing Howard the Duck beyond Steve Gerber is disrespectful. But um, that is what this business is built on. God damn it!
0: That's interesting because also uh, you, it's you know the road to hell is paved with good intentions, and I think much because like I think Swamp Thing, especially with the passing of Len Wein and earlier this year Bernie Wrightson, um, I think back of all those times. In the '90s, and, and certainly, you know, Alan Moore obviously took the left turn with Swamp Thing, and then it yeah. really became how do we keep the more spirit going of Swamp yeah. Thing and Toddlebon and, and uh, Rick Veach and, and those guys? Well, yeah, yeah, and 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 I and so yeah, I think you're right. Um, and and you're also when you think of the traditional characters and stuff, that's interesting that you think, you know, because again, it's funny for the big two lately. I've been doing the fast food analogy. And it's really okay. saying DC and Marvel are like Burger King and McDonald's. And I think sometimes to um, attract the new readers that are coming in through image books and stuff, I think DC yeah. and Marvel sometimes tries too hard to get those readers. And it's like, hey, I didn't walk into McDonald's to get a steak. I came for a hamburger. And I came for a shitty fa- fast food hamburger. Hmm. You know, And so, I, well, and again, but but... There's that tact, but then again, we constantly get innovations. And you know, Snyder when he came on Swamp Thing, made a made a left turn. And I guess maybe it started yeah. with Johns with Brightest Day, but it's like, oh no no, let's get back to Alec Holland rather than yeah. you know worry about you know or make Alec Holland the plant elemental versus it being its own being. Yeah. And and you know yeah, so I don't know. That's that's Please. interesting.
1: So when do you be reverent and when do you need to Im- innovate? You know. Yeah, like it it's tricky because like like on a on a comic where there's such a long run. Like if you look at X-Men or whatever, like yeah. sure, Lee and Kirby created it. But, you know, Claremont, Cockrum, Smith, like those guys were the guys that like took it to a completely different place and a different level. Sure. And you know, and, and other teams have followed since that have like, you know, redefined the team, you know, Morrison and Quietly and Cordy mm-hmm. um, so it's like with Howard though it was different because there were really the only the kind of the original I mean there were like tiny bursts of Howard through the years yes. but there was the original like however many 32 issues you know and then Mantlow took over the magazine and Gerber hated it and yeah. you know uh, you know I, I, I took kind of pains to not reference Duck World because I knew Gerber hated Duck World because he didn't create it Funny. Like, Gerber's idea was that Howard's world he came from would be an unseen anthropomorphic world. Sure. So it would be like, you know, Disney characters working monotonous jobs or whatever. Right. And then Matlow, you know, I believe, came up with just the idea of Duck World. He's from a world of ducks. Right. And Gerber hated it. So, like, I never reference <laughs> Duck World. Whenever I talk about Howard going home, it's always just about going home. It's never about, you know, a planet of ducks. I'm with even you. Even though I... Even though I know that that is, you know, the continuity thing, and I kind of I said to my editor, I'm like, "Hey, was the Secret Wars happening? You know, when they reform the universe, can we reform it so it's no longer a Duck World?" And he's like, "No." Nah. Ah. So I'm like, "Oh well, okay, I tried." Too funny. That was like that was my one thing I tried for, for Gerber. Yeah.
0: What uh, for Star Lord and and writing Star Lord when you did when when the Guardians are grounded and everything, and that's another character that, God, I. Uh, I didn't. I didn't remember the black and white issue. I just happened to buy it in the last like ten years before the whole reboot was was okay. happening with Star Lord and everything. And certainly now, you know, household name thanks to the, the two movies, obviously. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's a I mean, really outside of Bendis, and uh, I, I don't even remember what uh, Abnett and Lanning necessarily did with them during their uh, their you know cosmic uh, run and everything. But uh, you know, it seems like that's another character that you know there's not a lot of fingerprints on it.
1: So you could, you know, I mean, we we know who he is. But yeah, tell me about writing uh, Peter Quill, Grounded. Yeah, so, I mean, when I was a kid, I read, like, the Star-Lord magazines, which were just wild, trippy adventures where yep. his ship wanted to have sex with him. Like, it was just, like, <laughs> just awesome and crazy. I met Claremont at a show just a few years ago, and I told him I'm taking over Star-Lord. And that was my one thing that I mentioned to him. Like, ah, I like the part about the ship wanting to have sex with him. That'd be and, Oh, what was it? He was like, yeah, it was like an analogy or something. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, like, so I I read those when I was a kid and then um, I followed a bit of Abnett Lanning run when it was coming out. Okay, Um, But I I didn't really get back into it until I kind of got the gig and went back to reread them. Um, So yeah, yeah, the movie clearly changed things like the character changed a lot. Yeah. By the time you know Bendis um, uh, took over, right. you know Abnett Lanning, you know laid the groundwork with the actual that, that that core team. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was an interesting gig because uh, I was I was worried about it because I I knew there were like a lot of Abnett Lanning fans who probably didn't like that the movie was had changed the Peter Quill character sure. um, so much. So uh, that was a concern. But I was presented with a scenario where they were grounded. Like, Bendis was going to be writing Guardians in which they were stranded on Earth. So that's, that was my starting point, um, which made it easier to kind of make him a bit more of a, a, relatable, uh, a relatable character, kind of like stuck in a bit of a rut and trying to figure his way out of this situation. Um, and that was a ton of fun. Like, and to be able to kind of play in New York with like the bar with no name, and have him be a bartender, <laughs> a.k.a. a bar lord. Um, yeah, It was awesome. And, like, Chris Anka, it was just a stellar artist. Like, I've been so lucky. Like, I, I can't think of anyone who's been as lucky as I have in terms of, like, the artists that they've been able to work with on these corporate books. Completely agree. They're, Absolutely. They're like arranged marriages, like, <laughs> in a lot of ways. <laughs> like, you have no idea, like... You know, this is your sister. An editor wife. will show you. Will tell you. Oh yeah, we got this guy for the book, and they'll, they'll show you like, you know, some pages. Um, you know, I just saw, I just saw the big sick. Yes, I love uh, that movie.
0: That was fantastic. <laughs> and
1: you know, I just pictured like his like cigar box of all the photos of the women <laughs> that uh, he was trying to be set up yes, with for the arranged marriage. On, yes. <laughs> That's how it feels like. You just get like these these photos of the uh, artwork. <laughs> from previous issues I'm like hey what do you think of this guy huh where we we fired him he's doing all six issues I'm like oh okay but it's been great like Chris was so good on it so good and like you know I'm grateful we were able to like at least finish out that story um uh because it was it was tons of fun and I feel like it's a it's a collection that's gonna stand up and
0: yeah no it's a nice yeah. absolutely man no great Star-Lord uh, story absolutely um, well, let's if we can if we still have time. I want to. I obviously want yeah. to talk about uh, Spectacular Spider Man. <laughs> so, dude, nice going. Seriously, it's it's because uh, God it, it it really fits. And I I don't know if people necessarily thought right away. Well, of course, Ch- Chip Snyderski would would write a great Spider Man. It's really really funny, and also I do appreciate the contrast because I love what Slot's been doing. And yeah, and, and oh it's, yeah, It's, it's for sure. fantastic. But that's the thing. It's it's great. Um, to have this alongside the slot run because uh, it comes in from a different angle and also gives you that you know, tour of the Marvel Universe as you put uh, Spidey and his uh,
1: his sister that's not his sister. Now I miss yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that storyline. It's, it's a little up in the air. Yeah, it was uh, one of the lesser-known Mark Wade stories. It was an original graphic novel called Family Business that was put out there. How long ago um, was that? Not that long ago, 2013, two thousand thirteen, twelve. Okay, 18. wow. Uh, it was one of Marvel's kind of pushes into original graphic novels. Um, and uh, it, it's just in my research for the book, it's like I wanted the book to kind of be about uh, Peter's family. And I, I, I kept thinking like, oh, it'd be great if he had like a sibling. Like I kind of like the idea of introducing a sibling and uh, what that would mean for him. Um and then, you know, a couple of searches later, I'm like, oh, he has one, kind of. And so I was able to kind of like figure out a, a proper kind of story for kind of introducing her and um, kind of an, an overall large story for the series, which as it kind of goes on will be a bit more revealed. Like we kind of started off like super fun and light and stuff. And like today I just finished writing issue seven, which is just like relentless and kind of bleak and crazy yeah. and um, it's yeah it's tons of fun
0: well and I love I mean anytime you know Peter and Johnny Storm get together
1: yeah, Hilarity exactly. and, Susan.
0: and it's really it's so much fun because um, again I remember uh, slots miniseries that Michael Ringo drew back in yeah. the day that's a really great one and then yeah. I mean uh, from a sad standpoint when uh, and um, when Hickman uh, killed off Johnny and just mm-hmm. the hole that not only yeah. left in the Fantastic Four, but also with Peter and everything, and God, that great scene of Peter and uh, Franklin on the rooftop. Yes. And it's like, yeah, I know, yes. what, I know what it means when your favorite uncle dies, and yeah. it's like, oh my god, that's true. Holy shit, when you know stuff like that happens. So now it's great to get back to the fun again of these guys, and uh, yeah. and yeah, no, it's they're they're a nice trio: Pe-
1: Johnny, Peter, and Teresa, kind of running around. I know it's it's funny because I basically had like in Howard. Um, I I put Johnny in there a couple of times Uh um, just because he was so much fun, and and Spider-Man as well. I think putting Spider-Man in Howard is what got me the Spider-Man job, and putting Johnny in the Spider-Man book is what got me the Marvel 2-in-1 job. That's excellent. So all i got to do is somehow squeeze Batman into Marvel (laughs) 2-in-1, and I know what my next job is going to be. It's going to be amazing. That's great. It's. I mean, and before we get to
0: Marvel Two and One, yeah, no, I'm I'm really digging it, and the, the three issues have been fantastic. Free Comic Book Day was it was a great start, and it was just like, oh look at that, oh my god, this is going to be fun. So no, man, it's, you got him at his quippy best, and and it's this is this is the kind of Spider-Man that I think everybody loves and, and loves to see, and also this great kind of road trip through the Marvel Universe as they're tracking down yeah. what's going on.
1: It's uh. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because the book was a book with a mandate. Like when they brought me on, they were like, you know, they got this movie coming out. Um, homecoming with a Spider-Man who's, you know, super back to basics, um, kind of starting over. And they're like, and, you know, in, in the main Spider-Man book, we have Peter Parker as a, you know, a tech genius running, you know, a billion dollar company. Right. right. Um, so there's a there's a bit of a disconnect there. And they didn't want to derail Dan, obviously, because he's telling this great story. Yes. So the best way they figured out was to bring in another title that could kind of like strip it back down to you know him in New York and you know not really talk about the the Parker industry stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah so the mandate was to make it fun, uh, and hopefully I've, I've done that. Um, writing Spider-Man is a blast. Because you can't, you have to make the jokes uh, good, but not that good. Right. <laughs> There's like a sweet spot for a Spider-Man quip in the middle of battle. It has to seem like it's the kind of joke that a guy's telling in the middle of punching a flying senior citizen, you know? Well, and it's got to piss them off. It's got to piss the villain off in a in a
0: good, annoying way. And, yeah, exactly. So, no, it's it's terrific, man. No, you got a good voice. So now, and sh- you know, shame on me. I don't pay attention to announcements. Marvel Two and One, talk to me.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. So um, they announced it this past week uh, as part of the the legacy initiative. Um, so it's myself and Jim Chung. Wow, that's great. Which is again, you know, talking about that streak. It's uh, it's kind of mind boggling. Yeah,
0: Qbert, by the way, obviously on on uh, Spider Man. Oh. So that doesn't suck,
1: by the way. Oh, it's it's unbelievable. Adam like Qbert, oh, holy shit. He's he's one of those guys where like a lot of people don't recognize him, but his sense of cartooning is so great. Like, when he draws Spider-Man in motion and emoting, like, it's uh, it's uh, it's pure cartoon, you know? Yes, Even though he's got kind of that, like, you know, um, kind of a detailed, angular style, like, he still manages to make it seem fun and fresh. And he's a great guy. Like, I, great. I've met him a couple of times now, and I'm like, he's just, like, he's insanely young at heart. Like, he just, he's excited to do the books, and he's excited for trying new things. And I'm like, he's, like... I know he's older than me. Yeah, he's like but he's, he's, he he looks like 5 years younger than me. That's hilarious.
0: Yeah, he's either like around my age, slightly younger, slightly older, I forget. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's
1: it's bonkers. Um so he's he's great.
0: That's cool. And, and, no, and, is there and Jordy Blair on colors like of course, she's
1: she's killing absolutely. it. Absolutely. Man, Red Lines is so good too her writing. I'm so
0: happy for <laughs> yeah. her. And I just talked to Deck and I'm going to talk to Jordy hopefully in a in a few weeks. But is there going to be a relief artist for Adam or is he going to be able to do it monthly?
1: Um, he's pretty insistent on doing it monthly. The uh, well, I think partly because he's having fun, and he also just likes the idea of like an uninterrupted run. Cool. But um, there's there's like a double ship month coming up, and so we needed to bring in uh, uh, another artist, a Canadian guy, Michael Walsh, to do issue six. Okay. Which is great. Like it, it's a perfect issue for him too. It's like a um, it's like a sit down uh, dinner interview between Spider-Man and J. Jonah Jameson.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting little tact too,
1: in terms of what Jonah's yeah. doing during this whole story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's kind of, you know, Jonah's rock bottom, and he's, like, trying to figure his way out. And, you know, the Internet's the future. <laughs> so he's he's working his blog, but, um, but, yeah, he scores this interview with Spider-Man because he has information that Spidey wants. And so basically the whole issue is, like, is them kind of, like, hashing everything all out. right
0: forgive the politic comparison but is there any like and without it being political is there any steve bannon in there is there any drudge in what Jonah's is <laughs> doing and again i don't mean that in any because believe no. me i i i do think that both sides get very reactionary when you suggest something like that but i mean it from a from an apolitical no. standpoint no
1: no because because jonah i mean yeah he's a menace spider-man's a menace we know where he stands Jonah, you know, at, at his core, at his heart, is like a good, decent man. Yes. So I don't want—I don't want to compare. Him to Steve
0: well, and, that, and I understand that too. Believe me, I, I do. But I, but yeah, just in terms of, well, yeah, I guess is he Ariana Huffington then? Well,
1: he's—he's he's, basically—he's <laughs> a guy who's like—he's like every journalist I worked with who was let go or took a buyout yeah. and had realize they had to start over. And you know, some people have like online ventures and. Um, and, and Jonah is in a similar boat and he's lost a lot. And one of the only things he kind of still has weirdly enough is Spider-Man. Yes. His hatred of Spider-Man, yes. you know, he's a kind of undying like need to show the world that this guy is a threat and or a menace. Um, cause he's gone through a lot of stuff lately. So it's like, where where do you where do you take a character like that so that it all kind of comes out in this in this issue issue six by uh, by Mike. That's cool. And, now, did yeah the pages coming in are pretty pretty fantastic.
0: No and, and forgive me I'm forgetting the name of your creator or own book that you did with all the fantasy characters. Oh, whole Kaptara, Kaptara yeah, yeah. Did, did Mike do Kaptara or no? No no Kagan McLeod did. Right. Excuse me I'm so sorry that I forget Kagan's uh,
1: very unique name. Go on. I get I get asked at every convention about Kaptara and. Yeah is sadly the same which is um kagan has the script for issue six and he's had it for coming up two years now so i'm i'm hoping as much as everyone else that he'll get back into it but um comics are hard comics are hard no no i understand that i totally understand that so marvel
0: two and one yeah tell me yeah so so the thing is back with a with a new uh, guest star book or is it someone uh, else as
1: the star of Marvel? The, the, the twist on it is that it's uh, just Thing and Human Torch. So the two in one kind of refers to, oh, of course, the two of them coming back together as a unit. Um, They're great because, yeah, because they haven't really. I mean, there have been a few kind of encounters between the two of them since the end of Secret Wars, yes. um, and you know the the loss of the, the Richards family. But they've all they've both been doing their own thing. Yes. Um for a variety of reasons. And so this issue is kind of like getting them back together and getting them to sort through um, the residual feelings and problems.
0: Fallout,
1: yeah. Yeah, the fallout from all of it. Well they're family. Uh,
0: that's that's cool. Yeah. And that's uh, so, you know, go on.
1: This this is kinda of like this is like the de facto kind of Fantastic Four book for now. Sure. In a way. Sure. Because it's these characters and a lot of uh, FF-supporting characters from the past and Doom and um, Mole Man and, you know, uh, getting to play with those guys. So it's it's tons of fun. And, you know, again, Jim Chung on art has been, yeah, getting those pages just like your jaw drops.
0: is uh, Well, and, and, you know, I'm sure you're not going to answer this question, but I love what Bendis has been doing in infamous Iron Man with Doom. Uh, and it, And, man, those... Honestly, my favorite matchup, and, and everyone loves the chess match, match between Reed Richards and Victor Von Doom, but for me, it really is Ben and Doom, because yeah. Ben is so not impressed with Victor Von Doom, and it's just, it's that asshole from college, I hated him then, I still hate him, yeah. Vic, I don't like you, I never liked you, and and the same thing with Doom, it's like, I don't understand why
1: I have to deal with you, you buffoon. Yeah, yeah, they're they're total opposites, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Doom Doom shows up pretty quickly in issue one because, um, because yeah, I love what what Bendis and Maliv are doing there, and um, you know, it's such a great turn for Doom uh, that I I kind of I had to put him in the book to kind of explore that. That's excellent. Because ultimately ultimately my take on him is he's going to he thinks he's doing the right thing, um, but he's going about it in the wrong way. Victor
0: is trying to do the right thing.
1: Yeah. 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 Uh, so it's, yeah, it's a lot of and fun. And what about Johnny
0: and Doom? Because that's really, you know, I, I, when I talked to Brian last, uh, we were talking about Defenders, and he was saying that, you know, like, um, Danny Rand and Wilson Fisk likely, you know, operate in the same social circles because of their wealth. And it's like, we never yeah. really see those guys interact. I'm like, that's a really good point, man. And it's, you know, I don't really remember any, like, classic Johnny versus Doctor Doom mo- moments.
1: No, no. Same here, but, um, within Marvel two and one Ben is kind of like the point man for doom. Like Ben and doom will both like, uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but it's like, okay. (laughs) There's a connection there between Ben and doom that, uh, does not include Johnny for for a good reason. Uh, we'll be kind of exploring that. Dude, I, I used to, I have a, you know, I have a, I have a pretty fun flashback. To the college days, which is also great. Excellent. That you know, with with, with Reed no longer here, you know, you kind of look at ways to to bring him back, and flashbacks are always fun. That's cool. Well, and is uh, ultimate Reed still kind of lurking around? Obviously, um, in Bendis' right, book, right. Um, I'm I'm not going to include okay. him in there, just because like I, I know Bendis has plans, so. Okay. It's it's, it's that tricky thing, you know. Like I, it's funny enough. I had to have done this uh, before with Star Lord and Guardians, because you know I you, I have to take my cue from Guardians, sure. and be careful. I'm not like bringing in characters that he's going to be doing stuff with. Um, so I'm I, I'm in the same situation again, um, but it's a good situation because you know I, I end up getting privy to the stuff that he's got coming up, and it's awesome. It's my favorite Marvel book right now infamous iron man so yeah, i agree with you it's, it's, one of my it's kind of questions. nice to have have mine be a bit of a satellite to that one um, interesting yeah interesting I like it dude i'm
0: i'm totally rooting for two and one to work because uh, really again uh uh you know it's so funny when they when they go back to basics and was like oh great that's for those wednesday people that have been buying comics for 40 years it's like yeah sorry <laughs> but yeah. I, I love the thing and really the thing teaming up with uh it's cool with johnny that's that's totally fine but man the the classic run so many great team ups, and I, mm. I just, in fact, uh, one of my recent commercials for in Stock Trades was making love to that new Marvel Masterworks. That's Volume Two of uh, Two in One, <laughs> and the Liberty Legion, and all that shit. Or yeah, with, yeah. Burn had uh, uh, the original version of the thing, uh, like he time traveled back to like the beginning, oh, yeah. and it was more lumpy
1: thing versus rock thing, and everything. <laughs> yep, hilarious, great shit. Uh, yeah, no, I, yeah, I love those old books, but. Um... Uh, Fantastic Four is the one that's kind of influencing this sure. one a bit more, I'd say.
0: No, I understand.
1: It's, it's one of those weird things. Like as I was approached with the title already in in place, and I was like, "Well, you know, Marvel Two and One. This is going to be a different book from that. Cool. Like it's 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 a, it's a weird it's a weird thing, but I've I've got the name, so I kind of want to live up to the fun of the old Marvel Two and One books too. I just
0: miss the the importance of Ben as a as a solo character. And granted, he's sharing with Johnny and everything, but that's the thing. And man, when Slot was doing that thing book and it you know didn't even make it to 10 issues or whatever and I was like oh this is so fucking good you yeah. know and I, and I really hope that uh there's a there's an audience out there but again I think you're you know building your bona fides with uh, what you're doing with with the Marvel universe and everything so uh I'm sure people
1: are going to you know dip in when does when
0: does when is your first issue
1: I don't know uh Jim is wrapping up issue 1 right now I think I think it's solicited for December maybe okay. It's it's a later legacy book, okay. Um, But um, yeah, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I I I learned with Star Lord not to take a guess as to how long the book's going to last. I kind of I'm I'm, I kind of look at each issue as being okay. This is my last issue. I feel good about it. Like this is a strong issue. You know, you kind of have to look at it that way. Sure. Uh, I'm I'm hoping at least you know with you know because we're kind of. the first story arc is titled Fate of the Four, so it's kind of about the Fate oh, of Oh, very nice. The the Richard Sure, sure. Um so I think that'll kind of help bring some people in too. So we'll see.
0: Very exciting then. No, that's great. And and uh, and like I said, no, I had I had no idea. So as soon as you said two and one, it's like ding. <laughs> that's 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 wonderful. And yeah, man, we missed the fantastic four. And if we can only get Ben and Johnny to uh, carry the torch, uh, pardon the pun with you know, until uh <laughs> until uh <laughs> Commerheads heads uh, realize the, the greatness of the four. You know, man, yeah. Matt's run was so great. Hickman's run was oh, yeah. so great. Um, James Robinson. It's the and one. Everybody.
1: It, it's the one title where I feel like there are more great runs over the course of the history of Fantastic Four than there are on any other book. I think you might be right. Yeah. Jesus, my favorite is Walt Simonson's. Yes, that was just insanely fun. I remember, like, that was kind of like towards the end of my initial kind of comic buying period, like end of high school. Okay, sure. I was picking those up, and God, every issue was just like, I'd read them over and over again. They, they were just filled with fun, like vibrant images and, yeah, time travel and dinosaurs and alternate universes and cool Doom retcons. Absolutely. Burn,
0: when he brought them back to their uh, basics and everything and had Ben back in the trench coat and the hat, I loved, yeah. I loved that. Wasn't that Burn? That was Burn, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah, uh, he definitely had him in a trench coat. and Yeah, hat. it was kind of back to the original, uh, the original look and kind of the original feel. And got it, Marv Wolfman uh, during the late Bronze Age. I think it was yeah. you know two hundred or three hundred. Two hundred. Yeah, yeah when when the Son of Doom was uh, you know a clone and everything and and Doom and Reed Richards have the big uh, showdown and you know he takes he takes Doom's mask off and oh, Doom yeah it's out and he's, he's in the padded cell at the end and everything.
1: Oh, god, yeah. Man. Oh god, I remember that issue so <laughs> <Me> well. <too. laughs> it Blew my mind. I told
0: I told Mark Wolfman that. I'm like, dude, that was fantastic. He's like, oh
1: thanks. You know <laughs> It's so funny, I was like at an I was at an age where I like those comics had already come out. Sure. But I recognized so, that anniversary issues were big deals. So whenever we would travel somewhere, like as a family, I would seek out a comic shop hilarious. and try to find old anniversary issues. So I remember buying that one. I'm being blown away. And also bought, like, I think it was Amazing Spider-Man 100, where he ends up sprouting the extra arms. Yes. <laughs> it's just like, wow, these anniversary issues are where it's at. I'm going to do
0: Salt Lake City Con this coming week. And I got to do yeah. the five uh, most important Spider-Man stories. And it's and it's <laughs> so much fun going through decades. And, you know, it would be great to do a Fantastic Four panel like that as well. That's why, uh, honestly, yeah. I really love the Salt Lake City Cons because they really do have these fun panels where you just discuss a nerd topic and everyone yeah. just kind of contributes and stuff. And I'm so, you know, I've kind of been compiling my list and I'll even say like, I know Craven's Last Hunt is going to be on there. Um, yeah. I know The Death of Gwen Stacy is going to be on there. And that was my, I I, I didn't read the original run. I'm, I'm a little younger for that. But when it was in yeah. Marvel Tales and I was like nine, yeah. Yeah. nine or ten years old and Jerry Conway, Conway really blew my mind. And it was such a pleasure to have him on the show and say, man, that was just like, such a creative explosion in my head of, oh, wow, there are consequences. And the hero yeah. doesn't always, you know, rescue the girl. And it's like, no yeah. way is this actually happening. Yeah. And it was, it really I was know. like... It oh, blew God. everyone's mind when that yeah, happened. Yeah, man, it's like, oh, my God. So, yeah, and like you said, I mean, that Fantastic Four 300 with, uh, with Reed and Doom and everything, and the arms with Spider-Man in issue 100. No, it's, it's fun. And isn't it great that even years later it can still have that impact because... It's true what they say. Every comic book could be the first one for somebody. So you do really yeah. have to take it that way.
1: The, um, if you're doing the Spider-Man list, you, you have to okay. include the, uh, the, kid, the kid who collects Spider-Man. Fair enough. Roger Stern, I believe. Yeah. There yeah. we go.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that's a possibility. I don't know. You know, I yeah. feel it also, um, it'll be interesting with the various panelists. And, um, you know, Len Wein did such great Spider-Man work, too. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, oh, you know, I really want to, I'm going to, uh, I've got that Titan book. Of all the uh, great creators, you know, various writers who wrote Spider-Man and stuff.
1: Okay, yeah, and yeah. And I love that book.
0: And it's, uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, it's one, I think, one of the uh, I, it, it, inspirations for how I try to conduct Word Balloon and everything um, yeah. in my conversations and stuff. But, yeah, I'm going to have to, I'm going to think hard about that. But, yeah, that's, that. no, that's obviously a classic as well. But I really do want to kind of yeah. get stories that represent uh, each era. And I think uh, Superior Spider-Man is going to probably make it to my list because I really do love that story.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's an, it was an amazing story and, like, a, a bold choice. Like, I think one of the great things about the fact that Dan has kind of worked with the character for so long is that it, it pushes him into corners. Yes. And he's like, all right, I've, <laughs> I've kind of, like, written the Spider-Man stories that I had in my head since I was 10. Now what do yeah, I do? Yeah, where do I go? And, and that's where you're getting, like, these kind of, like, awesome creative bursts. Like, between Superior Spider-Man and the kind of the Parker industry stuff now, it's like, those are just... Really bonkers ideas. Absolutely. I loved when Anne May walked
0: him to his first day when it was still horizon. And, yeah. and she leaves and she kind of looks to the sky and it's like Ben, it finally happened. Yeah. you know yeah. our dreams for Peter have finally come true. And it's like you know, you need a you need a dance lot to like pull that kind of continuity together and go, yeah, this is important and this is why.
1: Well it also it kind of answers the question, like the I think there's a thing that happens, especially with readers of a character, when their readers age with the character. Yes. At some point, they're kind of like, "Why isn't this character like advancing?" Right. And you know, there's an obvious answer for that, which is then the character no longer becomes the character. Well, like you said like,
0: earlier, when, you know, every everything is chat, you know, act two.
1: Yeah. So if if every character learns from their mistakes, and you know, in sixty years of continuity comics, you end up with a bunch of Captain Americas. <laughs> who always makes the right decision and they don't lose their temper because they learned their lesson about that. And they don't do this because they learned a lesson about that. And so that's, that's a hard thing. But like, you know, I think the, 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 the gripe is always like, you know, Peter's a genius. Why is he always like having these like shitty jobs and bad luck and stuff? (laughs) Dan's just like, all right, I'm going to give it to you. I'll show you what happens. Yep. And and you know he's he's doing it and he's showing him trying to juggle that and juggle his sense of responsibility with this this company and all the the problems that kind of arise from from it and surrounding stuff. It's a
0: different interpretation of great power and great responsibility.
1: Hmm. Good mm-hmm. stuff,
0: man. It, it's brilliant. It's like okay, this is what you want. I'll show you. I'll show you. <laughs> well, and again, I, man, uh, the Superior st- Spider-Man, just all the man, all the grief he took, and and and, and also it just blows my mind. That um not to get, you know, callous, but really it's like, okay, he's de- you know, a character's dead for a moment. It's like it's not gonna last, don't worry. Captain America's not gonna stay bad it's, forever, don't worry. And and just that reaction that comes out in all those heart filled blogs of you've ruined my character, you've destroyed my childhood, how dare you kill this person? And it, or or make him bad, and it's like, wow.
1: It's a, you know, ever since I was a kid, it's a kind of a recurring idea within the comics, which is like, you know, I was, when I was a kid, I was reading Grunewald's Cap. Okay, sure. And when it switched over to, you know, Super Patriot becoming Captain America, John um, Walker. Yeah. Uh, and also over in Batman, Asriel becoming yes, Batman. Yes. It kind of gives readers who complain about those characters um, uh, what, what they've been asking for, which is, you know, why, why isn't Cap. A killer, right? Why does he let these people away? Why isn't Batman, you know? Why isn't he a killer? And and it all, it, it takes you to do that storyline to show you why not, right? You know, and Superior Spider-Man is the same thing. It's like you know, let Spider-Man get his shit together, and like you know, he could like totally protect and take over New York, and you know, and, and so you show it with Doctor Octopus as Spider-Man, <laughs> and. What that
0: actually means. Well, and approaching approaching Mary Jane is really kind of a lab, to, you know, test. And in terms of relationships, let's see how far I can go. And then, okay, I learned it. Thank you. Moving on to something else now. Or uh, the best is when he broke uh, Tarantula's jaw, and it's yep. like, holy shit, this guy's been holding back all this time because that's that is what I love. And and by the way, that's another one on my list is uh, the Civil War subplot of everyone getting Spider-Man's identity and the Kingpin yeah. trying to kill Anne May and Spider-Man yeah. going to the jail and having the knockdown dragout with Kingpin. It's like, fuck you. You come after my family. I am not holding yeah. back. This is not going to take multiple pages of us fighting each other. I, am, I have yeah. your lunch and I'm going to put you on the ground. And this is how strong yeah. I am. And it's like, that's the best is when Spider-Man is really just unleashed. And it's like, this is how powerful he is.
1: Yeah, I've mentioned it before in some interviews, but like one of my favorite Spider-Man issues is the Fire Lord two-parter. Okay,
0: tell me about that. I don't remember. Back, back
1: in the eighties, we're like, I, I forget the setup, but like Firelord basically comes to New York, and Sp- Spider-Man pisses him off or whatever. Firelord is like intent on killing Spider-Man. He's like a Herald of Galactus, so Spider-Man's just going all through New York, trying to like lose him, trick him um, into you know defeating himself, like enlisting New Yorkers to help him out, like blowing up buildings. Like, it's just like, it's a crazy fight across the city. And at the end, like Spider-Man just had it. And he just like, just hauls off and like bounces around. So Fire Lord can't touch him and just like beats him to a pulp. And like all the Avengers show up like, Oh, did you just beat up a Herald of Galactus?
0: (laughs) Awesome.
1: That's fantastic.
0: Dude. Great, great talk, man. I'm I'm sorry it's been so long and I'm, I'm, Really happy with what you're doing, both artistically and writing. It's saw the same, coming from the same head, man. And, uh, yeah, really, nice going. And I'm, and I'm really glad that you're That's getting the opportunities you are. Are you exclusive to Marvel? I mean, I, you did that Harley Quinn story, obviously. But, like, you no. know, would we see you with DC at, at some point if the right opportunity came up?
1: Yeah, I don't see why not. Like, um, yeah, I'm not exclusive to Marvel, Um the thing right now is just the fact that I'm I'm kind of maxed out in terms of uh, how much sure. I can do. And as far as I'm concerned, I want to be on Spider-Man and Marvel 2-in-1 for as long as those books will have awesome. me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. I had a great time doing that DC book. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, DC, right. you know, gave me a phone call and said, hey, we noticed you put Batman and Marvel 2-in-1. <laughs> Oh, that's good. That's um, very
0: Walt Simonson of you. I like that. When yeah, yeah. we would so, show up in Thor and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, so, you know, we liked what you did there. You want to come over here and do Batman? <laughs> then, you know, maybe, uh, maybe if the money was right, I'd do it. I like it.
0: I like it. That's <laughs> awesome. Now, keep it up, dude. Well done, and, uh, right, and thanks, always man. a pleasure. And, uh, yeah, let's not wait so long for the for the next conversation.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: I don't know. I'm always a little energized after a conversation with Chip Zdarsky, and I'm happy to share it with you today on Word Balloon. Uh, could Matt Fraction be on the way? Of course he is. Look for him next week on Word Balloon, a wonderful new fireside chat with Matt Fraction. We uh, continue our sex criminals conversation and go a bit further on some other uh, things that Matt's been doing. It's been a long time since we've had a talk, and, uh, you know, I, 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 like I say, I miss these guys. I, I love talking to them. And I knew if I put them together, it was going to be just, you know, irreverence and we wouldn't really ever have any interest, you know, and not, not that their comedy isn't interesting, but I like having some, some serious talks with these guys as well. And, uh, you know, you heard me laugh and I, I laughed with, with Matt as well. But uh, we get into some really interesting co- talks and uh, you really get a feel for where Matt is right now creatively. So, uh, God, you know, I got I to gotta get Kelly Sue back on the show, too, ever since uh, Shelley Bond was, uh, you know, praising Kelly Sue and uh, her wonderful insight on Word Balloon. It's like, yeah, man, I got to get her back. So uh, very busy, as you can tell from the output uh, this month on Word Balloon. And I uh, I uh, will do what I can to uh, give you that much output in October as well. But I uh, really loved the conversation with Chip. Uh, if you haven't checked out the Greg Pak interview, great stuff about Planet Hulk, about uh, Cadet Metal U, his wonderful Boom series that he's doing right now. And uh, it's, uh, it's a good companion to uh, the Zadarski conversation today on Word Balloon. All brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you, League, for your support. If you'd like to help uh, support Word Balloon, you can do that by subscribing via Patreon. It's not necessary. But if you think Word Balloon is worth your time and you've uh, got the money to spare and uh, help me out in uh, my quests and conventions and upgrading equipment and uh, making Word Balloon uh, the top-notch show that I hope it is. Each time you listen to it, go to patreon.com wordballoon or go to the front page of wordballoon.com and click on the Patreon ad. That'll show you where to support Word Balloon. But thank you very much, League of Word Balloon listeners. Word Balloon is also brought to you by InStock Trades At InStockTrades.com, you can get great books like Volume 7 of East of West, Jonathan Hickman and Nick Dragata. The Final Year of the Apocalypse Begins. They're, they're uh, winding up the story here, man, 128 pages. It's 42% off, $9.85. Got to get Hickman back. Got to get Nick Tregada on more than uh, just a little uh, convention conversation that we had with John uh, a few years ago on Word Balloon. You can get the Nightwing Volume 3, Nightwing Must Die. This is part of DC Rebirth, and man, my buddy Tim Seeley kicking ass on Nightwing. Javi Fernandez is the artist. This is 144 pages of Dick Grayson goodness. Uh, I think you ought to check it out. It's uh, 42% off, $9.85. You can get, uh, let's see, what else have we got? How about uh, Scoopy Apocalypse? Are you digging the uh, new take on Scoopy-Doo from Keith Giffen and Howard Porter and uh, Jam Dematis, of course? Uh, Pretty neat. Or is it Demetrius? You know, I always get it wrong. Uh, this collects uh, the second half of Scoopy Apocalypse, issues 7 through 12. It's 42% off. It's $9.85. There's a lot of other great books waiting for you at great prices at InStockTrades.com. Don't take my word for it. Go there. You'll find your favorite artists and your favorite writers at InStockTrades.com. Thanks for listening to today's Word Balloon uh, more coming next week. Matt Fraction among uh, some of the guests that you'll be hearing in the days ahead. And I uh, can't wait to share that with you along with uh, my uh, conversations here at Salt Lake City Comic-Con. I'm going to be talking to Mike Zeck and John Beatty and Joe Rubenstein. So those are going to be great to uh, share with you as well. And uh, if not uh, through the end of September, one or two of those might make it to the beginning of October. But uh, really happy with uh, The amount of great conversation that I've been having lately here at Word Balloon the last few months, and uh, so happy to share them with you. I hope you're enjoying the program's more to come, as they used to say on The Tonight Show. Until next time, Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions, copyright 2017.